All right. So uh, next month, which is next Sunday, we are obviously it's Fourth of July weekend. So I know a lot of you are maybe like planning some big thing, whatever. Have fun. Be safe. Uh, if you're going to be with family, man, just take what we've learned in this series. Use it. If you're going to be with a bunch of people who are talking about things that are ungodly, <laughs> you know, use it as a caution. Use it as something to be prepared for. But we're starting a series just simply called Disciple. And we're also going to be doing something special in the life groups. Uh, Pastor Jeremy's putting uh, something together for the life group specifically. And so we're having in parallel one, one kind of series going on while we meet on Sundays and something that's supplemental or helpful to it going on in the life groups as well. So we're talking about, it's, it's simply titled Disciple. And so I'm excited for that one. But we're closing out Crosstalk. And so I'm going to just kind of briefly go over what we've talked about. Uh, so at the beginning of the series, it was Psalm 1914. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. And basically the thought was not that we would be perfect in our speech, but that we would, we, we would at the very least recognize that God ultimately pays attention to and cares about what we say, how we say it, and why we say it, and who we're saying it to. That's a lot. So essentially, God cares about what we're saying. <laughs> uh, Matthew 12, 33-37, either make the tree good and its fruit good, or make the tree bad and its fruit bad. For the tree is known by its fruit, you brood of vipers, how can you speak good when you are evil? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. The good person out of his good treasure brings forth good. And the evil person out of his evil treasure brings forth evil. I tell you, on the day of judgment, people will give account for every careless word they speak. For by your words, you will be justified. And by your words, you will be condemned. So again, we talked about that in the first, stu- like first sermon we talked about. Essentially saying... What you say is important, and God pays attention. Okay, and that's scripture. That's not from me. That's from the Bible. (laughs) Uh, And it's specifically, I tell you, on the day of judgment, people will give account for every careless word they speak. That means all of us here. Leaders, uh, your first time visiting. (laughs) That's And that's just the Bible. That's what God is saying to us as people. There is an account that will happen for every careless word we speak. Okay, and then we went into James one twenty six on the second service. If anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. New Living Translation says, if you claim to be religious but don't control your tongue, you are fooling yourself and your religion is worthless. And so the summary sentence there was, whatever controls your tongue controls your life. So if you're constantly gossiping, if you're constantly speaking on all these things that are ungodly, then we can see something that is controlling your life. Versus the person who's saying like, listen man, I'm doing my best to serve God. We see that that's what they're they're trying to let control their life. To say, man, I just want to please God. Okay, whatever controls your tongue controls your life. And then last Sunday was uh, Ephesians 4.29, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. The message version says, watch the way you talk. Let nothing foul or dirty come out of your mouth. Say only what helps, each word a gift. New Living Translation says, don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful. 
so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. So summary sentence would be this. We must listen to the Holy Spirit so that we may speak with holiness. Okay? Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouth essentially says identify what you're talking about. Identify it. You know, cover your mouth if you got to at times. You know? <laughs> nope. <laughs> Not going to say it. Uh, let everything you say be good and helpful. You know, so that's, these are the areas we've been talking about. Crosstalk. What we say, our speech, our terminology. And so we're going to close it up today. But I want to start off with these three quotes from these three different men. And when we started the series, one of the aim was this. How do we actually share the gospel? How do we actually communicate it? And so in this, we're establishing a place of saying we have to first pay attention to what we say. Because it does no good to want to share the gospel when all you do is talk about something that is not at all in line with the gospel. Because you essentially, you make it obsolete by what you say. So, you know, if you like, hey, Jesus loves you. And then the next words out of your mouth are, are you bleeped out on the news? <laughs> You know, it's just kind of like th- this is the reality of us as Christians and the application of our faith is that there are some areas we must pay attention to. And this is one, the way we speak, the, the, the people we talk to, what we talk about, how we talk. And so I want to talk, uh, go forward with these three quotes. The first one is from a guy, Billy Graham. Some of you guys are familiar with Billy Graham, right? Okay. Some of you may have never heard of him, but basically Billy Graham is this guy He's uh, what we call an evangelist. And so what he did was on, on a big scale, he would share the gospel. He would speak to thousands of people at one time. He would fill stadiums. He's one of the only preachers who sat down with the Queen of England and literally had a private service. And, and she literally invited him in and said, ask, can you preach? Like, can you preach what you preach to me? So this is, this is the level where this guy was just reaching into these areas. You know, well-known speaker, well-known evangelist. And so when we're looking and we're saying, like, how do we share the gospel? Well, we can look to people like this and say, like, man, how did they do that? You know, what, what came from them? That, what did they do? And so one of the things he says is here, Billy Graham says, prayer is crucial in evangelism. So right away, this establishes where we're going. Prayer is crucial in evangelism. Only God can change the heart of someone who is in rebellion against him. And again, this is a guy who filled stadiums. He didn't go just to the street and talk to two people. He would literally be like, man, we're going to do this event and we're going to share the gospel. And he was unapologetic. He would preach the gospel to people. And he says this, prayer is crucial in evangelism. Only God can change the heart of someone who is in rebellion against him. No matter how logical our arguments or how fervent our appeals, our words will accomplish nothing unless God's spirit prepares the way. So we know this, Billy Graham himself, this one of the biggest evangelists, most well-known that we could ever think of, said this, that God's spirit prepares the way. It is not what we do. So again, we talked about that our speech and all the things that you know, we're going to aim for, this is not what makes us a Christian. Our faith in Christ and him dying on the cross and cleansing of us our sins, that's what makes us a Christian. Belief in that, faith in that. So Billy Graham is teaching us prayer is crucial in evangelism and God's spirit prepares the way. Andrew Murray, old guy, <laughs> passed away. 
years before, okay, said this, prayer is not monologue, but dialogue. Not monologue, but dialogue. Okay? God's voice is its most essential part. So Billy Graham said, prayer is crucial in evangelism. Andrew Murray said, prayer is not monologue, but dialogue. And the most important part is God's voice. See, that's the hard part of prayer. <laughs> when you're learning to pray, it's just awkward. You know, like, uh, um, it's just, it just feels like, who am I talking to? You know, like, I'm, I'm saying this thing and no one's really responding. So prayer is not monologue, but dialogue. So you are looking for God to respond. You are looking for that. God's voice is most essential in that prayer. Listening to God's voice is the secret of the assurance that he will listen to mine. Essentially saying, knowing God speaking to you is knowing that you're praying right. (laughs) Hearing him, reading the Bible. It's amazing sometimes that you'll find that you'll pray for something. And then you'll read a scripture. And that scripture is like totally applicable to the situation. And you're just like, oh, wow. Is this God, you know? I would say, yeah, that's pretty much, that's pretty God, you know? Because if you read a scripture and it's right there and it's just clear, you're just like, okay, I think God answered me. <laughs> you're like, should I go rob a bank? You read the Bible, thou shalt not steal. Okay, I got it, God, you know? It's, it's clear, it's, it's, okay, I get it. Uh, Thomas Aquinas, old, old, old. <laughs> Grant me, O Lord my God, a mind to know you, a heart to seek you, wisdom to find you, conduct pleasing to you, faithful perseverance in waiting for you, and a hope of finally embracing you. Amen. This is something that all of us, in these, these three quotes from these three different guys, years apart, okay? Years apart. They're teaching us something. They're saying that there's something in this, first off, when it comes to prayer. And, and the last guy, he's saying, grant me, O Lord, my God, a mind to know you, a heart to seek you, and wisdom to find you. Okay? These are areas that for all of us, in everything we're doing, in all of our approach and, and motivation and our faith to move forward and to know him, we have to establish that there are things that we must essentially focus on to say, Lord, I want to know you. Okay? It's not just going to be like, it's, it's going to be a challenge sometimes. <laughs> sometimes you feel like a Christian. Sometimes you feel like nothing close to it. <laughs> you don't. It's hard sometimes. The attempt in this series was to challenge your patterns of speech, the content of what you speak about, and how you speak to those around you in order to set a framework of the healthy presentation of the gospel. Again, we can't share We can't really share about the gospel if our lives are not adding up to it. You know, you can can share it and people will hear it, but they'll turn around and judge you and be like, this person said, man, I can trust God, but here they are and they don't even trust him. This person said I should pray in the hard times and they're just mad and angry at everybody. You know, the world is looking at us. And so essentially I'm saying our faith needs to match up with what we say. And I'll say this, and this is where we're going. Sharing the gospel is the result of your dialogue with the Holy Spirit. Sharing the gospel is the result of your dialogue with the Holy Spirit. 
Because again, we see what Billy Graham said, we see what uh, Andrew Murray and Thomas Aquinas, all of them are uh, uh, substantiating the place to say, we have to seek God, we have to find Him, and then sharing the gospel is the result of your dialogue with the Holy Spirit. You will know, you will know what to say and when to say it when you have relationship with the Holy Spirit. If you don't know Him, you are confused, you're lost, you're like, I know I should share it, but to who, to when, how, you know, like, you know, when do I do this? Sharing the gospel is the result of your dialogue with the Holy Spirit. This is good news, because you don't have to know everything. <laughs> you don't have to be perfect, but you must know the Holy Spirit, okay? You don't have to get all that stuff in order. <laughs> I think someone's outside. <laughs> so this is good news, like I said. We don't have to know everything. We can trust Him. We can look to Him to respond, to, to be the one that uh, basically sets everything forward. How do you witness or share the gospel to those around you? You start with focusing on your relationship with God. Okay, it's, it's, it starts there and it's that simple. How do you start sharing the gospel to those around you? You start focusing on your relationship with God. Represented as the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, having a presence in our everyday life. Meaning we're saying, Lord, Father in heaven, Jesus, Holy Spirit, I, I want to know you today. I want to have relationship with you. I, I don't want to go to work and just be at work. I don't want to go home and just be at home. I want you to talk to me. I want to know who you are. I don't want to just go sit in church and have another service. I want to go to church, have community, be encouraged, edify. But also I want to have an encounter to know that you are with us. These are the things that we should be pursuing. How do you witness or share the gospel to those around you? You start with focusing on your relationship with God. Gotquestions.org says this. In 1 Peter 3, 15 through 16, it tells us, In your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. That right there is already a challenge for some of us. You know, they're like, you know, why are you a Christian? Hmm. <laughs> Let me send you a YouTube video. <laughs> like, that's usually the response, right? I mean, I'm not hating on it. It's not, that's not a bad thing. I'm just saying... That God questions our positions it like this. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. And I'm saying this. You should have a reason for the hope that you have. You shouldn't be walking around just saying, I'm a Christian. Well, how do you know you're a Christian? Well, because I, um, I, I have a Bible. <laughs> like, like it's, it's the reality of walking forward and knowing the reason. But do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. Our lives should be a reflection of the reality of the gospel. We live in submission to Christ as Lord. In part, this means that we treat others with gentleness and respect, no matter what group they identify with. Sharing the gospel is an act of compassion. That's the bottom line. Sharing the gospel is an act of compassion. The reality would be like this. It's easy to share the gospel when you've identified how broken you were and how much in need of a savior you were. And then you're talking to somebody and they're saying, my life's a mess. I, you know, I feel like I'm going to commit suicide. 
And you're at that place knowing, man, no, there's a hope. There's something better. You know, you understand that clearly when you know where you were and why you needed a savior. And you're able to share that. There is a bigger picture when it comes to our speech, our speech, our terminology, our our syntax in which we draw from and form sentences ultimately are not the main concern. Our heart is. It's, It's what's in our heart that comes out, right? The overflow of our heart. A person regenerated or born again is a new creation. A new creation begins to understand the world around them from a new perspective. Okay? We begin to see things differently. 2 Corinthians 5.17. It says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Okay, so we know this. A new creation will see things differently. Okay, you can be in the same situation. I think I referenced it before, but there was a guy that, that shared a testimony um, how he was in prison and how in prison he gave his life to, to God. He was like, man, Lord, I'm going to serve you. Like, I don't, know, I don't know if I'll ever get out of here, but I, I'm going to serve you. And he said, in prison, he's locked up. Nothing has changed. But he said he woke up the next day just in this freedom. He said it was still the same cell, the same bed, he was, not, he was not out you know, walking around in the city now, but he said he woke up in freedom. And that's the reality. A new creation sees things differently. You may be in the same circumstance, in the same situation, but you know this is not the same. This is not, I woke up different. Today's different. I walk with this freedom. I walk with this truth. This area of the way we talk is not the answer to salvation, as we've said, but I'll say this. You may never say another cuss word in your life and still not be born again. You can get your speech right. You can, you can say all the right things, but you still may not be a Christian. So that's the, the speech part we talked about. We said that's not what makes you a Christian. It is the belief and the hope and our faith placed in Christ Jesus. So we get to this place where we have this inner dialogue. And one of the questions will be and should be, how do I know I am saved? If you have not ever asked yourself that, I suggest that you haven't truly battled with your faith. You haven't truly gone to that place that says, I'm mature in my understanding. How do I know I am saved? That's a question I think every single one of us should ask. And let me tell you this, I don't think any church leader, any other Christian should answer you. That's a conversation that you have with the Holy Spirit. That dialogue and that question, how do I know I am saved, should be a question to the Holy Spirit. Now, like I said, I don't think any of us should answer this. We have to understand it's an important question that we must all ask and have answered. Let me say that again. We all should ask that question and we should have it answered. It should be something that is answered where we know the answer to that question. Sometimes you'll realize, dang, I'm not, even, I'm not saved. <laughs> I'm not a Christian. Like, you'll, but it's answered. And you know. And you know where you need to go from there. We cannot really share the gospel if we don't fully comprehend what it means to be saved from our sins. If we don't understand it ourselves, we can't go around teaching others. 
but to also bring clarity in the fact that in all the conversations we have, we should really only be concerned about one conversation. The thing is, you have these voices constantly speaking, people around you speaking and saying things. You know, there's a lot of uh, really educated people that are wrong. <laughs> a lot of really smart people that, that will convince you your faith is, is dumb. You shouldn't, you shouldn't believe, be a Christian. You know, uh, the number one conversation you should be most invested into is the conversation with Jesus. This is the conversation that we get definition from. This is the one that, that defines us, that places us into that, that position to say, I know where I stand. I know who I am. John 1, 1 through 5, it says this. And this was, to me, very interesting, the idea of word and speech. and Because um, <laughs> I, I, always, I always find this, this scripture interesting. It says this. In the beginning was the word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him. And without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life. And the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness. And the darkness has not overcome it. Okay? So this, is, this part right here is interesting. Because we go into John 1, 14. We go forward in that same chapter. And it says this, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen His glory. Glory as of the only Son from the Father. Full of grace and truth. So the literal word, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God. And then in 14, the word became flesh. Okay, And then we have seen his glory. The glory is the only son from the Father. Jesus, the son of God, full of grace and truth. The word that became flesh and dwelt among us. Okay, How do you know you are saved? You have to know the word. That's kind of, it's, it's, yeah, it's both. You have to know Jesus, and you have to know what the Word of God says. How do you know you are saved? You have to know the Word. No matter what I say, no matter what anyone says to you, you have to know what the Word of God says. Okay? Because that is the place where you define salvation. Like I said, that conversation is definitive. Because the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit, that conversation you have with Him, not only identifies you as you're saved, it also, as we read already in the beginning, that prayer time, the Holy Spirit leads. He sets everything up. And we cannot know how to truly share the gospel unless we have that relationship with Him. Romans 8, 14 through 16. It says this, For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The spirit you received does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. In verse 16, the spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Okay, so this is the clearest place that we can see. The Holy Spirit... The Spirit Himself testifies with our spirit 
that we are God's children. So no one can tell you that you are saved unless it's the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit testifies with our spirit, meaning we identify that the Holy Spirit is speaking to us and says that we are God's children. That's why that conversation needs to happen. That's why our time that we spend in prayer is so important to know the Holy Spirit because He's the one that testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. And if you never know Him, and if you never spend time to know Him, and if you never have the conversation to be identified by Him, you will never know if you are saved. And you'll constantly battle, am I saved? Am I saved? Am I saved? You'll go to church leaders. You'll go to life group leaders. You'll go to people, other Christians and other churches. And you'll watch YouTube and, and write in the comments and, and DM churches and ask the churches, you know, am I saved? How do I know I'm saved? Go Google some of the... the Number one asked questions uh, for Christians. It's literally, how do I know I'm saved? And the reality is this. You won't know unless you know the Holy Spirit. Because the Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. It's quiet today in this Presbyterian church. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit. Now, Oswald Chambers said this. He said, There is nothing attractive about the gospel to the natural man. The only man who finds the gospel attractive is the man who is convicted of sin. Meaning, once we know we are sinners and we need a Savior, we realize how important and how beautiful it is. The reality of man, we deserve hell. We do not deserve heaven. And then we hear this gospel message of someone saying, no matter how sinful you are, there is a savior that gives you opportunity to know our father in heaven. One of the things that I want to share, it's not in my notes, but I remember hearing this, that uh, um, the scripture teaches us your sin is cast as far as the east is from the west. And so if you, if you do the north-south around the globe, Okay, there is a point where going north becomes south. So you go up and it's north. Once you cross the pole, it becomes south. You go down, right? He says, your sin is cast as far as the east is from the west. You will never find the end of going east. You will never find the end of going west. You can endlessly go in that direction. And the scripture teaches us that your sin is cast as far as the east is from the west. And the reality of of the attractiveness of the gospel is first identifying that we are sinful people in need of a savior. And again, we cannot identify that and even share that unless we are truly convinced of that and understand that for ourselves. Sharing the gospel is the result of your dialogue with the Holy Spirit. John 14, 6 says, Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus is Lord. There's only one way. That's it. One way. Okay, there's no other way. Jesus is Lord. 1 Corinthians 12, 3. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. 
And here we begin to understand that there's this place where the Holy Spirit's working in us. But we, we still might not know him that well. Like I remember being young and reading the scripture and just saying it at home. Jesus is Lord. So I guess I have the Holy Spirit. Because like, <laughs> you can't say that without him. So the, the, the face of the earth, oh, globally, you cannot say Jesus is Lord without the Holy Spirit. A New Living Translation says, I want you to know that no one speaking by the Spirit of God will curse Jesus. So we know this, anybody cursing Jesus is not speaking uh, from the Holy Spirit or by the Holy Spirit. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. So we know this, your starting point is the confession that Jesus is Lord of my life. But the answer to understanding, am I saved, and being confident of that, is the conversation that has depth with the Holy Spirit. You start there, confession, Jesus is Lord. But you understand when you know the Holy Spirit. And he answers you. And his, the Spirit himself te- testifies and speaks with your spirit that you are God's children. I'm not so concerned about your efforts of evangelism as much as I am trying to get you to understand that relationships and personal encounter with Jesus himself brings us into a place of inability to hide a life-changing truth. I'll say it like this. When you are so, it, it, like your life is engulfed with knowing who Jesus is. You just want to know who he is. You want to get closer to him. It's hard to hide that truth. When people, when people see, you know, I don't know, you're just desiring to read your Bible. You read your Bible at work. You read your Bible in your car. You know, people walk by and like, what are they doing in there? You know? and, and in that, it's hard to hide what's going on in your life. It just becomes evident. People see it. So to understand that our relationship and personal encounter with Jesus brings us into a place of inability to hide a life-changing truth. And we can give it an example, which is not in any real comparison. But I can say this. Some of you, you know, you'll watch an amazing movie, and you can't shut up about it. (laughs) Oh my gosh, have you seen this movie? Oh my, it's amazing. You know, like, it's, that's, you're, you're in love with it. You know, you, you can't have, uh, uh, or you go to some new restaurant. Bro, did you try this spot? It's, oh man, on Yelp, it has four and a half stars. You know, like, you're like, oh my, it, you just start, everybody you know, did you go here? Did you go to this place? Some of you can't be in a relationship and not post it all over social media. I'm in love. I'm in love. <laughs> Some of you take a picture with a famous person, and that becomes your profile picture for the next 10 years. <laughs> I met Kobe once. So just <laughs> we want to talk about it. We want people to know. Like, you know I was with them? Oh, you know I was on a plane with them? I, like, you know, it's just, it's something you want to share. You're excited about. You're like, dude, I met this person. I saw this person. I was with this person. And you kind of fabricate some of the story. You're like in the same store and you're like, no, no, we were talking in line. And you're like, you know, a mile away from them. But you were, you don't know, we were in line together. You know, like you just get so excited about this thing that happened in your life and you can't even hide it. And that's what I'm saying. That's the place that we get to when genuine faith in Jesus brings the centrality of who he is at the center of our life, and we, we just can't hide it. We talk about him. 
We, we bring it up in conversations randomly. People are talking about the latest trend, and you're like, oh, man, we had a good service the other night. Huh? <laughs> you know, it just comes out. You're just like, oh, wait, we were, no, we weren't talking about that. Yeah, sorry. It just comes out because it's in you. And again, that's the area of concern. The overflow of our hearts, it's, it's, it's a pattern of speech. It becomes identified in what we say, our expression, our terminology, what we speak about. Genuine faith in Jesus. You will share the gospel because there's nothing greater than it. When you have that genuine faith in him. It's an overflow. You will speak of your savior. It won't be this idea of like, you know, you're talking about someone else's faith. You're talking about your savior. You're talking about your Lord. You will speak of the object of your affection and faith. You will speak of the most life-changing event in your life. There will be nothing else to talk about. You know, people will recognize it. You know, we, we've seen it. Broken homes. Broken homes. Fathers were not good fathers. Mothers were not good mothers. We've seen that. But we, we have also seen is the testimony of Jesus coming into someone's life, and things changed forever. The generation that came next, they never knew what it was to see their mom and dad drunk. They never knew what it was to see their mom and dad fighting in the middle of the street. They never knew what that was. They only knew Christianity in their home. And the worst thing that they saw or or heard was their dad snoring. (laughs) You know, that's like the old, oh, my dad would snore. You know, like, you know, but, but man, if Jesus wasn't in your life, the worst thing that you would have talked about would have been the drunkenness of your dad. You know, I, and I, I even personal testimony from my life where my dad, I remember he shared a story with us one time. And I was like, what? <laughs> he has a bunch of stories. But I remember he shared one one time that kind of just, I, I chewed on. Because I was like, How did, why did he do that? His dad, and, and he did, his dad get, gave his life to Jesus. And, and Jesus changed him, and he was not the same man. But at one point in his life, he said that his dad was an alcoholic. So he would get his paycheck and go straight to the bar and drink it all away with six boys at home. He would use the grocery money, the rent money, and he would drink it all away. And he said, so him and his brothers one time went to the bar, and they went to their dad, and they said, mom needs the rent money. And the dad was like, what are you going to do, fight me? And my dad's older brother said, yeah, we're going to all beat you up and take the money from you unless you give it to us right now. And I'm thinking like, what? He did that? That's not a good man. But but to me to hear this and to see my dad's life and to think what my dad might have been, you know, and to realize growing up, I didn't have that with my dad. I didn't sit there and have to go to my dad at a bar and find him and bring him home. That didn't happen in my life. Because Jesus came in and changed everything. And the outcome of that was my dad sharing the gospel. My dad talking about Jesus to us. You know, son, Jesus changed my life. I would have been this. I would have been that. But Jesus came into my heart and changed me. And the reality of that's what the gospel is. It does something to you. And I like what Mark Batterson says in this area to understand how powerful it is when we begin to understand the gospel. He says this, there comes a moment when you must quit talking to God about the mountain in your life and start talking to the mountain about your God. 
You proclaim his power. You declare his sovereignty. You affirm his faithfulness. You stand on his word. You cling to his promises. This is the life-changing faith that happens when you know the Holy Spirit and you ask the question, am I saved? And the Holy Spirit speaks to you and tells you, you're a child of God. Pastor Jeremy, come up. Sharing the gospel is the result of your dialogue with the Holy Spirit. And I want you to understand that in all, like, like what I'm saying, in all the conversations we have in this whole series about the way we speak, what we talk about, you know, how we need to be careful and understand that all this matters. The number one conversation that I hope you do have, and I hope it's genuine and sincere and from the heart is the conversation with the Holy Spirit. The question, am I saved? Do I, am I really a Christian? Do I really know you? Let's stand, let's close our eyes.